Lord, we bless your name. We exalt you as our king of kings, our soon coming king. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. You may be seated. We want to continue along the series that we've been teaching for the last number of weeks. Healing belongs to us. We're using as text scriptures Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, and then Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Matthew 8, 16, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Now folks, notice that Matthew says that he's quoting Isaiah and the fulfillment of what Isaiah promised or what he declared to us could not be fulfilled, could not be brought to a completion until Jesus was on the cross. Now when Matthew is writing this, these incidents in Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus, of course, had not been to the cross yet. And so the fulfillment of his prophecy could not have been taken place at this point in time. So what was it about this that is fulfilled or is, is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy? Very simply, folks, it's fulfilled that healing was given to all. Notice it says in verse 17 that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Jesus healed all that were sick by being a substitute to take our infirmities and to bear our sicknesses. What I'm trying to get at, folks, is that healing belongs to everyone. And again, Matthew says that he's quoting Isaiah in making this statement of fulfillment. Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. We've talked a lot about these words. This word that's translated grief is used 24 times in the Old Testament. Only four times is it translated grief. The other 20 times is translated sickness. This word that translate, is translated sorrows in almost every other place that's used in the Old Testament, it's translated pains. And then the words that are used for his bearing away of our sicknesses and our pains the word born and the word carried 
or Levitical terms, it means that Jesus is our substitute, took, carried our sicknesses and pains. And this word means to remove from a distance. And the distance that he removed these things for us is as far as the east is from the west, the scripture says. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that sickness entered into the world as a result or a consequence of sin. And the substitutionary work of Jesus regarding sin and sickness is that he separated us as far as the east is from the west. Folks, that's an infinite distance because there's no east and west poles. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Look with me at Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 is the institution of the Passover. Israel, the people of Israel are in bondage to the Egyptians, and Moses is sent to them to deal with Pharaoh to exact judgment by the hand of God upon the gods of Egypt. And it comes down to the last of the plagues, which is the death of the firstborn. And God gives Moses instruction to the people on how to keep this Passover meal. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Folks, I want you to realize that the ritual sacrifice of this Passover lamb is to be eaten with your shoes on because it's strength for your journey. He goes on in verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against the gods of, of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon your houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I shall smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a, a, keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Psalm 105 tells us what the result of this was. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Folks, something happened that changed the condition of Israel. We know how they came forth with silver and gold 
because God sent them to the Egyptians, sent Israel to the Egyptians to demand payment for all the things that they had done for in service to the Egyptians for the 430 years that they were in bondage. Well, by this time in the story, the Egyptians are more than eager to let them go. And so the Israelites spoiled the Egyptians and took all their valuables and jewels and other things of value. And so they came out of Egypt with silver and gold. But remember that God put a great emphasis on the Passover lamb being for the strength of their journey. One of the great criticisms that the church world has today concerning God is the idea and we've also we've all heard people say well we believe that God can heal we believe God sometimes does heal but they don't believe that God heals everyone First Corinthians chapter 10 tells us about these things this, is, this historical record of Old Testament events and activities and doings by the hand of God. And, it, and Paul says to the Corinthians that we should learn from the examples of the Old Testament so that we don't tempt Christ as they did. Folks, the temptation that God identifies, you may remember in, the, in Numbers chapter 13, where it tells us about Israel refusing to go into the promised land. The 12 spies were sent to spy out the land. 10 of them come back with an evil report. And God calls that evil report tempting him. He says, they've tempted me low these 10 times. The temptation is a declaration of those that were operating in unbelief, a declaration that God was not on their side, a declaration that God was not able to bring them into the promised land as he promised, a declaration that God had left them. Well, we know what happens in the story of the Passover. The firstborn of Egypt, all the houses of Egypt die. There's a great cry that goes up and Pharaoh calls Moses and demands that he leaves. But then he changes his mind, Pharaoh changes his mind, 
and he goes after the Israelites to pursue them. This brings about the, the miracle of where the Red Sea parted and Israel went across on dry land. But then when Pharaoh chased after them, the waters came back together and drowned Pharaoh's army. Well, it was a great deliverance. And Exodus chapter 15 tells us about the songs that they sang, glorifying God, magnifying his mighty works to defeat the, the greatest military force in, on the face of the earth at that point in time. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they were three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and, from, and there he proved them. Now, folks, notice that, that it says there he made for them a statue and an ordinance. In other words, this is God creating an eternal law. Here's God identifying a characteristic of himself that will never change, that will never pass away. He said to them, verse 26, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now that last phrase, I am the Lord that healeth thee, it's God identifying himself the characteristics of him, his eternal nature, his unchanging nature. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. The verb that's used here is in the past perfect tense. I'm sorry, it's the present perfect tense. And what that means is the word healeth is the healing that he's already brought to them. It's a present tense use of the God that always will heal them. And the future tense about his healing always being available. I am the Lord that healeth thee. In other words, he's saying to them the healing that took place among the Israelites as identified in Psalm 105, verse 37, he brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among them. Not one weak, not one that's sickly. An absence of weakness for an entire nation of several million people. God is such a big God that the substitutionary work 
which is illustrated here through the eating of the Passover lamb. God heals nations. God doesn't just heal individuals. Now we know that it's required of us just as it was required of them to have faith to take hold of and to appropriate these blessings of healing. But God is so absolute in his goodness and in the things that he provides for his people that he heals all that were sick. Now, folks, in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, 760 years have gone by from the time that the first Passover was instituted. And during this period of time, during this 765 years, Israel has rebelled against God. They have failed to keep his commandments. And as a result, they've gotten away from the basics and the foundational truths of God's care for his people. Hezekiah becomes king. And because he's a righteous king, which there weren't many of them, but because he's a righteous king, he reinstitutes the Sabbath or the Passover, keeping of the Passover. Now he knows that there are parts of the keeping of the Passover that they can't prepare for. They do it at the wrong time, in the wrong month. And the priests have not sanctified themselves as they were required to do. But Hezekiah sends word out to all of the Israelites to create the reinstitution of the Passover meal. And it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 20, And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. Folks, the Passover meal has healing as a part of it. The Passover meal was a means whereby Israelite, the Israelites could take hold of the blessing of God, the blessing of physical healing for their bodies. Now I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, not a Jewish church. These people are Gentiles. And Paul says in verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Paul is saying, I've told you this before. 
the preceding verse, verse 22, he talks about how that the people of Corinth are operating inappropriately, unworthily, by treating church dinners, so to speak, as the Lord's Supper. He upbraids them because nobody's looking out for the people. Some of the people are getting drunk off of the wine that they're using for the Lord's Supper and others are going without. And Paul condemns them for it. He brings it to their shame. All church dinners are not created equal. And to correct the situation, Paul says, the Lord showed me, revealed to me, that which I have told you before, specifically, the attitude by which God requires concerning the keeping of the Lord's Supper. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, break it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, folks, I've got a question for you. The Lord's Supper, the Passover, is identified in some detail in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John tells us in his Gospels some things greater detail about some things that Jesus said to them during the Passover meal. But John doesn't go into much detail about what Jesus said and did concerning the bread and the wine. Because there are three other Gospels that identify those doings So why would Paul need to know from the Lord the specifics of the Passover meal? Paul is trying to correct the wrongdoings of the Corinthians He's trying to bring them back to a place where the blessing of the Lord's Supper, the blessing of the Passover, once again brings them into divine healing. 
Notice again verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That word sleep means die prematurely. Just as in the first keeping of the Passover, he brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among them. Just as in Hezekiah's day, 765 years after the institution of the Passover, the Lord hearkened unto Hezekiah and healed the people. Now another thousand or so years go by. And Paul is having to bring to their attention the unworthy manner or the un un unworthy attitude that the church has toward the Lord's Supper. Which, causes, is, which is the cause of weakness, feebleness, and sickliness among the church. Folks, God's got a built-in means of living in and operating in divine health. The right attitude toward the Lord's Supper brings healing from physical sickness and disease as an ongoing or maintenance for healing for the physical body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep for this cause. Folks, there's always a cause for sickness and disease. Now, when you say that, the first thing somebody thinks of is there may be sin in someone's life, and that's what brings about the condition of sickness. But I'll, I'll remind you of James chapter 5 where it tells about ministering healing in the church. It says in James chapter 5 verse 15 and the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has for committed sins they shall be forgiven him. Sometimes sin on the individual's part 
plays a role in the condition of sickness in their bodies. That would be an example of this. An unworthy attitude toward the Lord's Supper. But it says, the Bible says, again in James chapter 5, and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if, if, if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Folks, God's not trying to be hard-nosed about anybody in his family that's committing sin or operating in sin. Jesus, as our substitute, doing the substitutionary work of the sacrifice, the worthy sacrifice that Jesus made of his own body. James is telling us by the Holy Ghost that the presence of sin, which may not be in every case, again, he said, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. God's not trying to withhold forgiveness in any way whatsoever. He's not trying to create and maintain a situation where because of the individual's sin, they're disqualified from being a candidate to receive God's healing power or his healing mercy. God very simply makes a way for those that are operating in sin to be forgiven for their actions and take part in God's healing mercy. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For this cause, what cause is he talking about? Not discerning the Lord's body. Failing to recognize what the Lord's Supper, the, the elements of the Lord's Supper to provide healing and forgiveness so that we might be able to walk in divine health. Now sometimes it's sin on the part of the individual other times it's just the devil being an, an equal opportunity destroyer. But either way, if it is sin on the part of the individual, then that forgiveness of sin will bring them back into the place where healing is able to be received. I think we've cut short 
in a great way. The character and the nature of God who identifies himself as the Lord that healeth thee. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. He's the God who healed them during the first Passover. He's the God who healed the people during Hezekiah's reign. He's the God that heals the Corinthians. If they just simply get their attitude right about the Lord's Supper. He's the God that strengthens, helps, and upholds his people that we might walk in divine health. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Now, folks, you can understand how Paul is concerned about the Corinthians. It's pretty obvious to see that their attitude is wrong and what part of their attitude is wrong. Because of the way that they're treating the Lord's Supper as just any and every other meal among the people of the church. They're failing to recognize the sacred, the sacredness of the Lord's Supper because they're overlooking the substitutionary work of Jesus himself. They're treating every meal as the same. Nothing sacred, nothing special about the Lord's Supper. Again, Paul talking about the unworthy manner. Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, with the wrong attitude, in other words, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. The responsibility is on the individual. Let a man examine himself. Let a man judge whether he, his attitude toward the Lord's Supper is worthy of the sacrifice of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself now that word damnation is the word condemnation. 
It doesn't mean that he loses his salvation. It doesn't mean he goes to hell. It means he fails to take advantage of the blessings of God that are part of the Lord's Supper. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. We're entering into a day, the last days of the church, where Jesus identified that one of the signs of the last days would be sickness and disease and plagues. I don't believe there's ever a more important time in the history of the church that the church needs to examine itself and maintain a worthy attitude, a right attitude toward the Lord's Supper and take advantage of the healing power of God so that we walk in divine health all the days of our lives. The church owes it to, its, to herself to take advantage of everything that Jesus provided for us. To take advantage of the stripes that he took upon himself. as our substitute the life that he laid down that we might be able to walk in divine health what is a worthy attitude we know that their unworthy attitude was that they treated the Lord's Supper just as any other time that they eat Well, then a worthy attitude would be to attach the proper understanding to the Lord's Supper, to recognize that just as when the Passover was instituted and the people were commanded to eat it, eat the Passover lamb ready to go accepting the Passover lamb as being for the strength of their journey in the same way the Lord's Supper is always provides strength for our journey and our Christian walk. For this cause, 
this unworthy attitude, this failing to recognize or discern the Lord's body, failing to recognize that the Lord's body was broken for us, failing to recognize that the stripes that Jesus took upon his back brought healing and health for every believer. You can see that the Corinthians are tempting God by their unworthy attitude. They fail to accept the truth of Jesus' substitutionary work. And it pays off in the curse of the law coming back upon them. Lord, folks, there's power in these elements. But the power that's in these elements, the power that's reaped as a result of these elements only come about when we recognize and keep our eyes on the fact that Jesus paid the price for us. Everybody can reap the benefits of divine healing and health just simply by accepting the work that Jesus did by laying down his life so that you and I might live. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Well, the reverse of that cause is true. Just as an unworthy attitude causes many to be weak and sickly and many die prematurely. But if we reverse it and say those who receive the Lord suffer in a, in a manner that is worthy of Jesus' sacrifice, then there would be no one that's weak. There'd be no one that's sickly. And there'd be nobody that died prematurely. That sounds to me like a much better way than the other. Let's receive the Lord's Supper. Folks, we need to keep our eyes open 
to the fact, the reality that God looks upon us partaking of the Lord's Supper. as placing a demand, a right demand, upon that which he has established. Again, as Paul said, Let a man examine himself. We need to examine ourselves to make sure that we recognize and believe that a right attitude manifests divine health. Thank you. 
Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Jesus knew the stripes that he would take upon his back. He knew the penalty and the punishment that he would bear our sins away and carry our sicknesses. He knew, even though the disciples did not. He knew the great meaning that this bread would carry with it. Father, in Jesus' name, we recognize that he offered his body and took stripes upon his back that we might receive and walk in divine health. Thank you, Father. As we receive this bread, we receive healing for our flesh. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup 